Today is Wednesday. It is uh, July 8th, 2020, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength. And we uh, are appreciative that you have kept us, even in these tough times. We pray for wisdom as we embark on a Romans chapter 8 verse. We pray for that we will come to the knowledge of it and even the wisdom as we seek to understand the implications of this verse. We thank you for those who have joined and we pray for those who may still be joining. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we our usual course of study is Romans chapter 8, and we're right around verse 17, so we'll get there, I'm sure. And what we usually do at this time is Q&A, so we're going to jump right into it to see if anyone has questions or comments, anything they'd like to discuss. The floor is open. I have a uh, a question that uh, <clears throat> I don't exactly have a verse for the question I'm going to ask, um, and I and I'd like to hear from everybody and what they thought. Um, sure, go right ahead. Okay, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. As church age believers, sons of God, uh, citizens of heaven. Um, it's supposed to be our place. Uh, and especially this year, with the COVID disease that has ravaged the world, um, lots of things that, and just that alone, that we've seen things on earth that we've never seen before. But specifically, I'm asking a question that regards us as sons of God and our interaction, and I'm talking about the protests, the Black Lives uh, Movement, there's many things going on in this country, all over the world. And uh, the question I'm asking is, what exactly, as Christians, Son of God, uh, believers, uh, what exactly and where how involved should we be? Uh, we, and when we talk about black lives, we're talking about uh, a system that has gone on for 400 years in this country, the USA, uh, where black people was enslaved, a lot of things. So it, it's, you know, as Christians, what exactly should our role be? Now, this is an opinion, I guess. There, there are, I guess there are scriptures uh, that could, you know, substantiate or validate what I'm, the question I'm asking, but that's my question. I think I, I statement as best I can. That's a great question. I thought, ho hopefully, uh, it is one that everybody has had an opportunity to think about, especially with looking at what's happening in the news and all of that. So 
Yeah, I, I can defer and let other people respond, or I can respond. It's your your call. I will open. I'll give someone else opportunity to talk. Yeah, I'd really like to hear what our group thought about it. Uh, um, so. Well, sounds like what I probably could do is start the conversation. Uh, so, in this, obviously, you 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 said the you had the correct setting of the question where you said that we are not we don't belong down here and this is not our home and uh, all the attachments that we feel down here are real right? we don't for us to get scriptures like that means that we would have a, an affinity to this world because we were this is where we were we're from and for us to get to that scripture or even just see eye to eye with the scripture that says you are not of this world even as I am not of this world this is John 17 16 or so then for you to get that scripture it, it's going to take some transformation of, of your thinking because that is a hard thing to think about I know we, we say it people know it that's probably such a common verse that people know but for that understanding, when it says you are not of this world, then you're really going to have to have your mind transformed because this world has all sorts of designations of where the sin nature has done and wreaked havoc in this world. So we need, we need a spiritual understanding of, of this because we are spiritual beings not just physical we are spiritual as well physically yes we fit into some designation down here that's where God sent us but there is a scripture that comes to mind as I think about this maybe we can turn to it it's in 1st Corinthians chapter 7 and I'll wait till people get it So usually when I talk about this stuff, people are, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know that scripture. Yeah, and their heads are nodding. Yeah, that's right. But these scriptures are not easy to live. We, we can acknowledge that they are true, that this is what it should be. But on the other hand, it is not easy for us to actually live this unless, like I said, you have that transformed mind. So let's look, look at uh, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. That's the, the text. So, now we could go back. This is, let's go back to 29. So he says, uh, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. In verse 31, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. 
for the world and its present form is passing away. So that verse 31 says we have to use the things in this world, but we are not to become engrossed in them. And I kind of look at that as our relationship, not just using the things or being involved in the things of this world. We have to be involved in it if we're going to live down here. When it says you're not of this world, it doesn't mean don't go get, you don't have to go get a job. <laughs> that you don't have to register for this or for that. You can't say to them, well, you know I'm not of this world. They're not going to respect that. That's a spiritual reality. So even if you're filling out a job application and says, which race are you? You're going to have to check some box or other. You're going to have to do something. So in this case, this is a balance that we need to have. We need to make sure we understand the spiritual reality, which is that we do, we do not belong down here. And just like it says, for the present form of this world is passing away. And we know that this world is going to be destroyed. It's going to get worse and worse. Now, there's been a lot of conversation about uh, from Christians that if we did the right thing, if, if we band together as Christians and do the right thing, this world would be a better place. I know I sound like I'm singing this one of those songs, but <laughs> um, it, that is not true. The Bible does not agree with that comment. The world will not get better and better until we get to some utopia. The, the Bible declares that the world is going to get worse and worse. And then uh, we're going to be raptured and the tribulation will come. So I think we need to recognize the reality of that and put our efforts, the weight that we have, in this world toward the things of God. So what is the very one thing, is, I'm going to say the one thing that we can do for people in this world, and that is that we might save some. If people have, uh, even if they could correct all of the problems in this world, let's just say, let's just push forward and say, could, could we pass laws, if we did this, if we did that, yes, there's injustice, could we, and, and if we could correct it, it doesn't mean that those people would be saved. And it's almost like people benefiting from the miracles, signs, and wonders that Jesus performed, but then after all of that, they're lost. They never believed in him. They never put their trusted the matter of their soul salvation to Christ. And it is, this is the truth. You look at John chapter 6, those people walked away from Christ. They, they refused to believe in him. After they had eaten the fishes and the loaves that he miraculously uh, made for them. So you, we have to understand who we are. Right? And there's no problem about caring about people in this world. There's, that is certainly um, something that we should aspire to, making sure that we care about people. Uh, we're here to have, help, help people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not saying that we should have uh, a distance 
when it comes to their welfare or you know how they're faring in this world a good example of that is Paul Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles but he desperately cared for the Jews in fact there's Romans 9 that we're going to be getting to at some point and it says I am speaking the truth in Christ I am not lying this is 9-1 my conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers my kinsmen according to the flesh they are Israelites and then he goes into there's the adoption the glory the covenants and so forth but notice Paul's passion and emotion about those people we can go to 10 he's he's still there right? he says my brother my heart's desire and prayer to God for them he's talking about Israel is that they may be saved I bear witness they may have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge for being ignorant of the righteousness of God so but his care you could see his heart's desire and prayer so there's nothing wrong those there's nothing wrong with caring for uh, people on this earth in fact it's it's everything right I don't know why we would be not sensitive and compassionate in caring for people who are hurt or downtrodden or poor so yeah it's it's certainly all right if and understandable that if you're uh, black or African-American in this country that you would have uh, care and concern for black people that's certainly that makes sense and uh, one analogy you could use is well where would God send you when he sent you did he send you to China or Japan <laughs> you don't even speak the language you won't be able to relate to those people there's a circle of influence that you have and wherever God placed you in that circle you have opportunity to witness and to talk to people and, and further when you think about it uh, whatever financial place you are whatever financial strata you you happen to be in just imagine that God placed you there as well so if you're rich uh, can you witness to the poor if you're poor can you witness to the rich if you're middle class can someone poor witness I mean we could just talk about that for on and on so I think God needs people in every area and walk of life where he can reach out to the world and we talk about this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world well then that means God has to have people to witness to those people wherever they are whoever they are so what's happening in this country is isn't certainly not new <clears throat> it is sort of an awakening where people are realizing this but I think people of color have, have realized this for many many years I certainly have in my personal life I could tell you I have experiences uh, and Fred knows for sure because he saved my life but I could tell you 
this is certainly there there are inequities and there have been inequities and it is no uh, it's not super smart of us that we point them out and can see them we see it is clear it is not like a rocket science is what I'm trying to say that this is this is something we can clearly see now this is the devil's world as we always say and we can expect there to be injustice, unfair practices, uh, prejudice, racism, on and on. You name it. This is, we can expect that these things are going to exist in this world. And part of what fuels their existence is the sin nature. So until the sin nature is eradicated, then I don't think we're going to see uh, this problem go away. I think it can get worse. It, there's ebbs and flows of this. So I will pause. I know I'm going on and on. I'm looking at the time. For I know it, no one else will have an opportunity to, to comment. So I'll pause for a moment. Other thoughts? Yes, um, thanks for that. Um, I did pick up a few things that I... Um, it's going to answer from a certain perspective, but you mentioned a few things that uh, I thought of added to this. The one is um, you were talking about, um, you know, charity, and sure, if we see a need, um, there's no reason that we should back away from it. Uh, the Book of James, uh, for example, is, is very much focused on the practicality of of our lives as, as Christians being in the world. Yeah. And so that's one aspect. The other one is the verses that you brought us to in the beginning in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and you ended on verse 31. But I would even say the verses after that would apply and don't necessarily refer to um, you know, an unmarried man or a married man. I think this would refer to somebody who is, like in First Corinthians chapter two, somebody who is of the, of the flesh. So if they're if they're not mindful of the things of God, they will have anxiety in this world, um, and they will be anxious about worldly things, about how to please other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Paul in, in Galatians is saying, "Who am I trying to please? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ." Um, and one of the other things I thought of too, well, there's a couple of things. One is, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Sergeant York, but that movie, black and white movie with Gary Cooper was one of my favorites. And I used to watch that with my dad. And, um, you know, at, at one point, Gary Cooper or Sergeant York, or Alvin York at that time, wants to object to going into the army. Because he's now a Christian, and, and so he's told that no, you shouldn't be going out and killing people. Um, and he, you know, the story goes. I don't know how much of this is true. The story goes that he, he was given some time off to reflect on the issue of whether or not he wants to join the army, um, and and you know, act, be active in participation. And the the verse that kind of cleared it up for him was the verse that talks about. Um, Jesus showing, you know, uh, answering the question, should we pay taxes? And Jesus said, well, show me a coin. Whose inscription is on it? 
and with Caesar. So he said, we'll render, therefore, what is Caesar to Caesar, and render to God what is God. So it's not like you're picking sides. Um, you can honor both the same way that Paul talks about in First Timothy chapter 2. You know, we often just go directly to verse 4 um, in chapter 2 and say that, well, you know, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But the verses that lead up to that, 1 through 3, is, is about getting along with everybody. Why? Because God wants us to live in a, a quiet life in a godly way. So anything that we can do in that manner um, would, would be pleasing in the sight of God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, and I think, I'm not sure if you brought this up because you were referring to uh, the Roman uh, Paul saying to, in, in Roman, about wishing he was cursed that um, you know, his people would be saved. Um, I'm not sure whether, I can't remember off the top of my head where they first come from, but he said at one point, you know, I'm going to be all things to all people so that I may save some. Yeah, first so Corinthians. his objective First Corinthians what? Nine. First Corinthians nine. Yeah. So in order to um, in order to have opportunity to do what is pleasing to God, to agree with His eternal plan and participate in in, in that synergy, um, it would be ideal to mix in with society. Um, we are of, we are in the world, but we are not of it. So why pretend we are not in the world either? You know, that doesn't that doesn't serve anybody. Right, um, right. So it would be one thing. That's a good point. I never never focused on the in the world part. But yes, we we have to be here. We can't say, well, I'm in heaven, by the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I'm my mind. I don't have sure. to worry because I'm I'm my mind is in heaven. I don't have to worry about. I'm here. But I am not of the world. I need to recognize that. That is true. I think I think while we're here, as you as as both of you guys have pointed out, that um, you know nothing in this world, the the most important thing that a person, anybody, any individual in the world can come to is to be saved and the trust in the perfect work of Christ be in other words, so you know, they said what is it, gentle as a general, as a wise Not, as a serpent, as a harmless as a dove. So, whatever is necessary to communicate what's important, and that's that everybody, that people be saved and have an opportunity to come to the knowledge of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so, whatever means necessary to do that, um, I, I think that's probably the main objective. And uh, Paul, as you mentioned, Doug, in Romans 9, you know, to be cut off from Christ. And that was his mission, to save his people. And uh, so what I'm saying is we were put on this earth, uh, I certainly was put on this earth as a black man born in Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, and a certain set of circumstances, that's exactly where God wanted. Yep. That's and, how we have uh, to see it, yeah. 
and exactly what he wanted. Yeah, I think what it is is if we, you know, when I used to, uh, we used to, we we're not really from the city, being born in Piscataway, New Jersey, <laughs> but when we went to New York, we were told this is like instruction, you know, walk with a purpose. You know, behave as though you have somewhere to go. Don't just look like you're loitering, you know, or just looking at the buildings like you're some tourist. Walk with a purpose. Fit in with the people, you know. And, and in essence, we have to understand that we are here and we have a mission. And that we, we're not just here loitering and hanging around. Uh, other people may be doing that and if we if we do hang around if we don't have a purpose there are lots of currents and undertoes and influences in this world and they will take you uh, you you'll be caught up in in one of those things to the extent that you lose yourself in fact it, it might even call for your life those those causes so if I'm going to be here and I want to give my life to some cause i want it to be for the cause of christ that that is my goal now, everybody has to come to that for themselves everybody has to wake up and realize that they have a mission that they're here for a reason god has them here he put them right where he is you could look at your shoes and say yep this is where god put me and and i recognize that but that's something each person that's why i say this is a matter of transformation and i for my life, that's what I decided. And I, I want to live for Christ. And if I die, then I want to die for his causes. So you may choose another route. I'm not judging that. But I'm telling you what I see in this world as important. So I'll read a couple more verses that Dwight brought out. Uh, here it says uh, in 1 Corinthians 9... For, all, for though I am free from all, I have made myself, this is verse 19, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, oh, this is... This is, oh, I knew this is kind of strange because that's the ESV, excuse me. <laughs> uh, let's see, where was I? Uh, yeah, to those not having the law, I became, this is verse 21, I became as the one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, am, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. Notice, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. So this last statement is the key to it all. I have become all things to all people, so as by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. Now, all of you have to know that leading somebody to Christ is marvelous blessing and that that's what Paul is talking about here what is my reward he said that earlier and that is that I might be able to give the gospel and freely give it so it's 
I had there's a lot more that could be said in this on this area as we discuss this and I just have to take my time because as I said earlier you know there's nothing wrong we have to have balance as we approach this and we're, we're, we're seeing balance right there in that one phrase we are in the world but not of the world you see there's balance in that phrase it didn't say we're you know uh, that we partake of the things of this world because what's happening here is what we might call evil because this is the devil's world it's his agenda what's going on down here uh, does not reflect on us it is not about uh, you know we don't have to defend this world because it, it's, it's not who we are God has called us we are strangers and pilgrims to this world and the world is going to hate you as it says in John 15 and the reason why the world's going to hate you Christ said because it hated me so no matter what happens in the world I mean, whatever you decide you want to do in this world just remember you belong to Christ and you can take sides and do whatever you want and guess what the devil knows who you are and so does God so in the end you're going to belong to Christ and you will have wasted your time on things that really you can't fix anyway there is no solution to the mess that is this world you can't fix it but I know I know how it can be fixed and I know how it will be fixed I know what the solution is unfortunately it is very drastic this world will have to be destroyed the only redeemable thing are the the souls for whom Christ died that's it and yeah I and I know like I said we need a balance we have to care about people we have to use the influence that we have in this world as best we can just like Paul said so that I can save some that is the goal but ultimately the world is going to go crash and I used to now just use this crude and crass analogy just and be done with it uh, so <laughs> so it's like when you flush the toilet and you see that you see it going round and round do you ever want to stop it or what you want it to go down right that's what you want you want it to go down you don't go away so that is the same thing with this world it's going down and it's swirling around what are you going to do it's evil it's it's a mess what are you going to do with it let it go you can't save it and you don't want to save it it is not speak about who you are it is the world and just like it says in this verse we were in, the world is passing away. So, hopefully that... Oh, did I... Did other people... Was there anyone else had a thought? Dave? Are you trying to 
little minor part. I, I understand what Corinthians and what we spoke about, about what Paul about Romans, about how he brought all men to be saved. I understand the gospel. But my mind was going back to the Tower of Babel. It's like when they all had one language spoken common speech and how God separates them and put them on different paths. So some would, most of them would do a peace work and they couldn't stand each other. So we, we all know the world is corrupt. We know that. But it was God, like you said before, God used us to be in certain situations, certain places. It was his, this is God's second sense. So we talk about like humanity. Uh, I look at I look at that as how God is really that His force take His place. Mm-hmm. Even though He's like you know man, man is doing what they want to do, but it's like people on this earth in a short in a short time. You know we all know that, and we all know our citizenship is in heaven. But Apple, man has a tendency of and kill their own self. Mm-hmm. So that's what I look about that as far as um, humanity for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is God's perfect will and His perfect plan. Yeah. It's not our plan, but God's plan. Yeah. We, we, and I tell that way, it's like when God came and He looked at me and said, look, they're trying to be more like us and how God used that to His advantage and He, separ- and he just separated no surprise that things are happening the way they are but uh, all, all I can say is it's a mess you, we could even if we changed all the laws and had all the law it still wouldn't fix things I don't think I think it would still be a mess because we can't legislate what people think and uh, can't change people's hearts yeah can't change that I don't care how many laws you pass and look the laws laws have been passed but it's still still means that there's a sin nature there and until that's eradicated I don't think there's any hope and in fact we shouldn't have any hope for this world should we should we well to use your analogy uh, which is very crude uh, I, I don't want to dive in and say <laughs> no Anything going down in the toilet, so I'll just leave that alone. Okay, that answers your question. Yeah, that that analogy is pretty uh, pretty tough to think about, but it's true. I mean, if you look at what the scripture says about the world, yeah, then we're not encouraged to save the world. We're encouraged to save the people 
for whom Christ died in the world. And that's, we're not ambassadors for the world. We're ambassadors for Christ. That we might, we're ministers of reconciliation, trying to bring those who are lost in the world to Christ. So that, that is how, and there's much more that can be said as we do. Hopefully that answers your question on, on to some degree. Yes, you guys answered it um, for sure by the scriptures. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 it's late, but I guess uh, as far as and I'm talking about in regards to Black Lives Matter, there's protests, um, and that might mean you might have to go into churches, you might have to go to meetings. It's all depending on the situation and where God has placed you, where you might end up. Uh, but remember your goal, I think this is a message, remember your goal is you are put here as an ambassador uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's to say your mission, yeah. remember your mission here on earth. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about the scriptures that, that define us as church age believers, where there's no Jew, no Gentile, no male, female, slave, or free, none of that. All those distinctions are are not important now it doesn't mean that you're not a jew or a gentile or a slave or a free man or a male or a female it doesn't mean that you're not one of those things but the spiritual side of who who you are and what god called you to be even though positionally that is who we are experientially in this world like i said we're going to have to check that box and so we know that we are those things and that is our destiny although we're in the battle right now and this we're serving on the battlefield so we can't come here as a, a designation that says church age believer the world doesn't accept that the world doesn't know us so we have to fit into some category of people down here and that's where god sent us into the world christ said just like they I, I was sent into the world I'm sending you into the world so that's why we're we're doing the things we're doing and we're supposed to keep our wits about us knowing that we're in the battle and our struggle is not with flesh and blood right there's greater understanding of things going on than what's directly in front of us there are motivations and things that are happening we ought to see the bigger picture is what God is telling us so, with that, let's, in fact, since we're talking about that, let's go to Romans 8, and let's, this is exactly what we're, we're discussing there. So, Romans 8, verse 17, I know we're almost out of time, but we want to cover this, a part of this verse, and uh, where it says, 8, 17, now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So this part, if we are children, now we, we're coming from last week where we talked about uh, spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And we said there was a joint testimony there. We learn about who we are in Christ from the scriptures and the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us into that. But then there's joint testimony. The Spirit 
witnesses and with our spirits that we are in fact God's children this is the reality for us in no uncertain terms this is true of you so verse 17 now if we are children and this if should be since I think pretty much all the commentaries agree with that since it confirmed that in verse 16 we shouldn't question it in verse 17 so since we're children this is his point then and this is a debater's technique when you see these uh, if then verses if this is true then it, with stronger reason then that is true right this is why he's building an argument based on these techniques and we're supposed to understand the strength of what he's saying if we are children then for sure absolutely sure we are heirs uh, so this when it says we are heirs means it means we have an inheritance if you're an heir that's what it necessarily means that obviously there must be some inheritance that you stand to receive children then we are naturally heirs and heirs of God now we talked about Roman style adoption last time so we understood how uh, important that was to understand about how uh, it is about transfer of authority and power rulership right all of that will be conferred on the adoptee who uh, stood in the place to receive all of that they were an heir so Paul took that analogy and he is trying to tell us something spiritually about God and how we have a relationship uh, or what is our relationship to God and Christ and how how did it happen he's using adoption to teach a spiritual reality much like you will see in Ephesians 5 where Paul uses the uh, marriage bond and he relates that to Christ and the church so he these are analogies to help us understand something that God has done for us and there's no other way to explain it but to give analogies is any analogy perfect no there's no perfect analogy but we can get the point that he's making here so let's just get back to the thought of being an heir that means we stand to receive an inheritance and why are we an heir because we're children and children by right in this analogy are heirs and then he says uh, heirs of God see it'd be one thing if I said we were heirs of Christ and people would say, oh, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, Christ is Lord. Whatever Christ gives us, that's what we have. But this isn't heirs of Christ. This is heirs of God. Who's God in this scenario? God the Father. Heirs of God. So I wanted to just go over a couple of thoughts because people are not clear on what it means to be an heir and heirship and that whole thing. <laughs> don't the way <coughs> excuse me one way to understand it is to look back at Israel's inheritance so it was unique and it was certainly guaranteed 
to Israel. There are many scriptures that deal with Israel's inheritance. We could read a couple of them uh, randomly. And some of it had, well, obviously it had to do with the land. God promised land to Israel. It was a land grant. So uh, one of the scriptures in Psalms, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? So God is going to give land to Israel, certain tracts of land to Israel. So let's read some of the scriptures. Um, so I'll start at Exodus 32 and 13. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Israel. Notice Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. To whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. This is Exodus 32, 13. What about Leviticus 20, 24? But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from the nations. Again, God is promising them what? The land. Numbers 18, 20. The Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. Another one about uh, is uh, Numbers 18.20. Then Deuteronomy 26.1. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. That's Deuteronomy 26.1. It's Psalm 78:55. He drove out nations before them and allotted their land, their lands to them as an inheritance. He settled the tribes of Israel in their homes. Psalm 94:14. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Jeremiah 12:15. But after I uproot them, I will again have compassion and will bring each of them back to his own inheritance and his own country. Lamentations 5.2, our inheritance has been turned over to aliens, our homes to foreigners, our inheritance. He's talking about the land. Ezekiel 47.13, this is what the sovereign Lord says. These are the boundaries by which you are to divide the land for an inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel with two portions for Joseph. So these passages, and there are, there are more, I just picked some of these out, are about receiving Israel, receiving inheritance. <clears throat> now just to note, you are not a Jew. You, I think we quoted that earlier in another context, but there, in Christ there is no Jew. Or Gentile. So there's certainly no inheritance for you under what God promised Israel. You are not a Jew. If it's clearly telling you that's not your inheritance, well, what is our inheritance? Well, the reason why we have an inheritance is because of Christ, it's because of the baptism of the Spirit. We talked about this whole adoption thing. The adoption is a result of the baptism of the Spirit. It is another way to teach what, what happened 
when we came to Christ. So I'm going to read some of the scriptures related to that. And so notice, it may, it may not necessarily talk always about our inheritance, but it talks about Christ's inheritance. So the fact that we are identified with him, we share what he has. What does Christ have? So John 3, 35. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. John 5, 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even even greater things than these. Uh, John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. Uh, John 16, 13. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. John 17, 10. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. John, that's, that's John 17, 10. And then here's Romans 8, 32, which you know. He did not spare, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So there, there's us and Christ. But in these, and this is Hebrews 1, 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe Hebrews 2 8 and he put everything and put everything under his feet and putting everything under him God left nothing that is not subject to him yet at the present we do not see everything subject to him so these are all the results of us being children, sons, heirs, having an inheritance. And the inheritance is not the land. We receive all things in concert with what Christ has received, all things. So I just wanted to, to bring out, at least before we go any further, that your inheritance is not the same as Israel. In fact, and, and, and I know the church is stuck on what Israel did and the stories of Israel and Moses and David and all that and we're studying into that and look using the Bible as allegorical you know see so Moses is getting to the mountain and and then that means that mountain is like the mountain in your life and then how he crossed over and was obedient and and you ought to be obedient if you want to cross you know th these are things that are being taught in churches that are common today they're taking the Old Testament and they're making all sorts of allegories and using the scripture to try to relate to modern day life so that you can be successful in whatever your endeavors are uh, listen no matter how much you study about Israel you will never be an Israelite you will never be a Jew in fact you're in Christ, and there is no Jew or Gentile. So, this is your inheritance. This is why you're here in the first place. God called you from eternity past. You've accepted the call, and this is where you stand. 
I don't think there's any diminishing here. Israel got land. What do we get? All things. <laughs> All things are yours. So I just wanted to just, I know our time is, is gone, but I wanted to at least get that in. So the documentation for us to understand that our inheritance is different from that of Israel is on record. Hopefully there is no reason for you to pine after what Israel had when God has given us such glorious inheritance. Uh, so I will pause before we finish this verse next week. But any questions or thoughts before we close? I know it's we're past our time. All right. Let's bow our heads as we close. And thank you, Father. We thank you for the inheritance that uh, is ours by virtue of our union with the person of Christ. We share what he has. And thank you for calling us and choosing us, selecting us to be in this particular age, at this particular time. We pray that you will use us in this world. And as we serve on the battlefield, we pray that we will be effective, that we will save some, that we may water or plant. And even if others reap the harvest, that we may be part of your work to save some. We thank you for each person here, and we pray for wisdom as we go about uh, this world and uh, the difficulties that are here. We pray that we will have the wisdom to be able to understand what our impact should be, that we might continue to maintain the calling that we have received, and that we, we might walk worthy of that calling. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.